Nadia. Welcome to the Nature Untold podcast. On this podcast, we share stories of all kinds of addiction, recovery, and sobriety within the outdoor community and industry. Hosted by John Holnier, produced by me, Emily Holland, on this show, you'll hear stories from all parts of our outdoor community, from the weekend warriors to the folks summiting Everest and everything in between. From folks struggling with alcohol to folks struggling with drugs to codependency and love addiction, we represent all types of recovery stories. Our goal is simple and twofold. First, we aim to normalize these types of discussions within the outdoor spaces we love, play, and teach in. And second, we want people who are struggling to know they aren't alone, that we're all in this together. We're so glad you're here. Now let's get on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Nature Untold. I'm your host, John Holdmeyer. Today, we're sitting down with Karen Schrader. Karen is a top-level outdoor athlete. She's an amazing educator. When she's not in the classroom or on some epic, crazy run, she'll probably be hanging out at the campsite, firing up a playlist, trying to get a dance party started. Beyond that, she's just an incredible all-around person. I think y'all are really going to enjoy today's episode, so let's get to it. Welcome, everybody. We're here today with Karen Schrader. Karen, how's it going? Going pretty well. Had a had a crazy, hectic day, but I'm happy to be chatting with you. Nice, nice. Well, we're happy to have you on today. And as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I, I think we should just start with a little bit about you, a little bit about your backstory and your history with kind of who you are, what makes you tick, those sorts of things. What makes me tick? My students know what makes me tick. I'm Karen Schrader. I live in Denver, Colorado. I grew up in the desert of Arizona. I've always been a big advocate for the outdoors, getting in, into outdoor spaces. And I'm a PE teacher. So if you hear me reference my kiddos or my students, that would be where that comes from. And then what makes me, what makes me tick would be like, you know, like today it would be students lying or being dishonest or <laughs> anybody they, I mean my students found all the ways today they um, still do that I, uh, I can't believe that too. and yeah. it comes me out I think the other thing is I have really high expectations for them because they all show up and so when yeah. they don't in those moments I'm like wow wow we really digressed <laughs> yeah yeah good how lucky are they though to have somebody who who has some accountability and has expectations for them I know that <laughs> That's not yeah. always the case. So they're lucky okay. to have you. Thanks. I mean, we have a lot of fun. The accountability piece is hard. I think it's hard yeah. across generations now. Um, so holding them accountable is definitely, definitely big in my book. And they do, they're doing a better job of like owning it and then moving through it. And then, you know, I'm like, I use, I feel frustrated. Here's why. And then we move past it and we get to go have fun and have a good time. But yeah, they found all the ways that made me tick today. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that would have been something to have in school. I never had <laughs> I never had anything about like working through stuff like that. That that's oh. that sounds pretty uh pretty dang helpful. It is pretty great. I love seeing the impact that I get to have on them, talking through things, or like, you know, step one is ownership of things, and then step two is apology and em- like empathy towards the other person or yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then the like, I'm sorry is a promise. This is a, one of my colleagues says this. She said that I'm sorry is a promise that you won't do it again. So it's like That's good. to honor that. And then, you know, hopefully it doesn't keep happening. Heck yeah. Yeah. Man, I know. All right. So I know we, we talked a second ago before we hit record. And I know you said it was nasty cold today in, in Denver. Have you been able to get outside at all yet with the kids this year? <laughs> this year? Yeah. Yes. We take, we take advantage of if it's a rare 60 degree day and it's sunny and not too windy. It's been kind of crazy windy yeah. lately. Um, yes, we try to take advantage of it. If I can get anything outside, we will go outside and get after it. Um, but we have not been able to like go out on hikes or utilize the trails that are close by this year, which has been a bummer for me. Yeah, hopefully you'll get some of that in before the end of the year. Yeah, if not this year, then we'll, we'll definitely get a few programs rolling next year. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right, so what is it about the outdoors that makes you like you bring that element into your teaching because I know it's I just know from knowing you that it's really important to you to be outside can you speak to kind of the importance of the outdoors and what kind of a role it plays in in your life and why it's important to bring that to to the students yeah backstory about my students to like lay the groundwork I identified that a lot of my students, while they live really close to trail systems or outdoor spaces, they're not really utilizing them anymore. I think a lot of things play into it, but my population is pretty low socioeconomic. Um, and so I noticed that they weren't recreating in the outdoors. So I started some programs to like give them more access to the outdoors. I um, then thought about ways that I could bring it into my classroom and into instruction because I want them to be good stewards of wild spaces. And so just kind of tying it into lesson planning and just ways that they interact with their environment and ways that they can be physically active and find healthy outlets for energy. Um, that's been really fun to watch them have that nature connection. And maybe I'm not the one that's like getting them there, but... yeah. I've had students come up to me and ask for bus routes to get to a trail or, you know, we're, we are literally a mile from a trail at this school. Um, so That's trying so to cool. get them there. I know it's so cool. Yeah. They're not utilizing those spaces as much, but the more that I talk about it and I know that they feel my fiery passion about yeah. <laughs> being outside. Yeah. Yeah. I know that they, and they hear what I say, like the goals that I set and kind of like how I like to use wild spaces and how, I like to take care of the environment. Um, I know they're hearing that and picking up on it. And then they have yeah. started saying like, oh, I've taken my bike out around the neighborhood. I got to that trail you were talking about. And so hearing their connections, I'm like, oh, you guys are listening. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do pay attention a little they bit. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And so that like, that has been a passion project of mine is bringing that into my day to day because I am passionate about the outdoors. I mean, I'm outside every day if weather allows um yeah. which i guess there's no such thing as bad weather just poor poor planning on our parts if we don't have the right gear yeah so really i could be outside every day um and i do try to i mean i'm outside trail running and hiking primarily um mountain biking if my body needs a break from running <laughs> how often how often is that 
Okay, well, it, it's becoming more frequent now that I'm a little <laughs> older, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's like every other day I could really use a break from running, but... Uh, so you're saying you're almost a mountain biker now? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I should probably switch over though, for being honest. Yeah, hey, oh. there, that's stuff to look forward to. That's, that's just right. like future things to, to daydream about. I, I like that. Yes. Well, that's like an awesome like intro to kind of who you are, what you're about, you know, what the outdoors are mean to you and how you're able to bring that into the classroom. That's just so cool and inspiring to hear, you know, you, you think about those things or I think about those things. And I'm like, I wish that this would have been a part of my childhood in school, being able to be exposed to this stuff through school. I was lucky enough to, to have it in other ways, but there are a lot of people who don't have that, that privilege and that experience to, to be exposed to the outdoors. It's just really, really cool to see you doing that day in and day out. And then yourself, I mean, just being outside literally every day. It sounds like you've really aligned kind of, you know, what you want your life to be like. You've, you've made it really happen the way you want it to happen. You know, it, it seems pretty intentional with how often you're outside. I think we'll, we'll circle back to kind of the outdoors and what role that plays in your life in a little bit. I want to get you to tell us a little bit about your sobriety journey and the beginnings of that. I know it's a little over, I think a little over a couple of years, two years now or something like that that you've been sober. We are at, let's see, what's, I think it's exactly a year and a half. Oh, cool. Okay. Nice. I think we're, yeah, October, October, 2020. You and I, like, sitting here trying to do math is not going to go well for anybody listening. <laughs> yeah, let's just... Somebody else is going to, like, calculate that for me. Is that They'll all figure it out, and then somebody will comment. Somewhere. No, I am very certain that it's a year and a half because if I say October 2020, it is April 2022, October to April. That's six months. I should have had faith in you. I hope I hope you do. I think I got it. But maybe in the comments, someone's going to be like, yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's um, not... <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's got to be. I have seen all of those really clever, you know, I've been sober, you know, X years and Y months. Um, haven't found that. Maybe there's an app. Is there an app for it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple apps for it. I used one for a while. And then at some point it like didn't transfer on one of my, like uh, on a phone upgrade or something. And then I forgot because it was one of those things that you like set. And then if things are going well, you don't like reset it. And I never really paid that much attention to it. And then at one point I was just like, oh, I, I don't have that app on my phone anymore. I don't even know where it is. So now I have to do math to, to figure it out. Now we have to math. <laughs> um, luckily right now we're hitting the six month mark. So I'm like, all right, a year and yeah. So 2020, 2021, and then the six months. So we're, we're at 18 months, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but where it all began. I mean... If everybody hears the number 2020, I think everybody can think about where we were or or we've blacked it out completely um, <laughs> because 2020 was a, a tricky year for all of us. So I was uh, with a then partner um, up until about September 2020. Um, and in that pandemic relationship mode, um, substances were like, they became a daily occurrence. So it was like, close the laptop 
for work and then, oh, what are we, what are we sipping on today? Um, and so that obviously it's kind of, not that I, I was already a regular drinker, but not every day. Um, and then March, 2020 was like, whoa. Um, we all were faced with a lot of hard to swallow truths about ourselves, our daily lives. I mean, I, I think it totally turned everyone's worlds upside down. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, we all dealt with it in different ways, I think. Yeah. So substances were what I turned to first, you know, um, a good IPA or a great red wine. I'm not really a hard alcohol drinker anyway. I never really liked it. So that wasn't too bad for me to like, I didn't drink that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I got sick of all my favorites because the frequency started to ramp up. So it was just every day an assumption that, drinking would would ensue after after work um and then that time the time of like starting to drink began to creep up so you know the joke of like it's five o'clock somewhere that it it really was like oh i closed my computer at three o'clock and something was in my cup um and I, I am an adult. I could have chosen not to do that, but it just was easy. It was easy because my partner was there doing it. It was easy because maybe it was escapism from all of the things. Um, but it was, it was never like a huge amount, but it was just every day. And then it got earlier and earlier. Yeah, and then the just, that build. just kept coming, you know? Yeah. Um, and so one of like one of the first flags for me was like, oh, I'm not really enjoying my glass of wine anymore. Like that used to feel like a treat or something that like tasted sure. good. And I started to not feel well from it. Like, huh, this doesn't, it wasn't like I'm getting sick from it. It just is like, my body doesn't want this, but I just continued consuming it. Yeah. And then, oh, I need to just switch. Maybe I need to switch to a, like a beer or a sake or something. Like I'm going to switch to this kind of alcohol. And so then like those were flags. Like I kept moving through each type of alcohol and not wanting it anymore, but that you had to drink something, right? It was just just assumed, yeah. Yep, just assumed every day, got to drink something. Um, And so it just like kind of, I mean, that time just got heavier and heavier, right? Like I definitely felt like mentally lower and... um, just that cycle of daily alcohol consumption was there. And it was like good, good to use it for avoidance, right? Just avoiding any of the things or escaping any of the things. And like, we weren't able to cross county lines for a while. So I wasn't even allowed to leave Denver limits. Oh, wow. So like we were going to trails. So I wasn't like having that outlet. I mean, I tried rollerblading. That was an interesting one. (laughs) Don't do that after having a few drinks. Like, you know, you know, and I mean, I'm in my thirties. I don't need (laughs) falling down. That's not on your uh, after mountain biking. You're going to switch to rollerblading in your, in your sixties kind of thing. No, (laughs) that, yeah, that, I mean, that, that sounds really similar to several stories I've heard regarding the pandemic and what it was like and how things got worse, noticeably worse quickly. I think one thing that's really interesting is as I talk to people, I hear everybody's different experiences about the pandemic and everybody kind of had different regulations and rules and uh, limits based on where they were geographically. 
to how the pandemic played out. And so a lot of things in a lot of places never even shut down, you know, nearly as much as what it sounds like Denver was like. So I can't even put myself in that that same kind of understanding space of like, we never had had those regulations that strict. So I, I would imagine that was just a whole nother level of like feeling a little bit trapped and feeling stuck and needing to escape somehow. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, and it was like, only like that for a short amount of time. I think it was about a month or maybe six weeks. But six weeks, I mean, that six weeks felt like forever. And yeah. I remember seeing people that like lived in other counties getting to recreate. And I know that we could have technically, like it wasn't like they were stopping people, but like to be the responsible party of like, you're not supposed to spread this around. Like you're supposed right. to, you know, these regulations were in place for a reason you know, but I did turn to running and a little bit of rollerblading, but that was short-lived uh, biking. So I was able to have some kind of way to recreate just around the city. Um, but again, like you weren't, you were only supposed to go do that for, you know, a short amount of time, like an hour, and then you're supposed to be back at home. So it's just like, okay, <laughs> watch, this is what we're doing. A now. lot of TV, yeah. and I drank a lot of bottles of wine, and um, yeah. The cycle continues kind of thing. The cycle continued. Yeah. And it was what, like Groundhog's Day? Yeah. Same thing. It really got out of hand. And then things started to open up again. But, you know, like with the outdoors and the connection with the outdoors or camping or any of those things, alcohol is still a a big part of it for a lot of people. Like you sit around the campfire and you have a hot toddy or, you know, you get done with a a hard hard hike and you Mm -hmm. want a beer. And so that continued through the summer. And then the person and I that were partnered, we ended things in September. And by then I was like, yeah, I am starting to think maybe, maybe I don't need this. Because I can tell that my relationship with alcohol isn't great. Like it became just like assumed and that doesn't feel comfortable inside me. I don't, I don't feel like that's a healthy relationship with alcohol personally yeah. and all those flags were kind of going off and I was like, you know, yeah, I think, I think I'll take the month off. Like, and I've done that before. I like, I had taken a month off and that was great before races or like big sure. events are just like, oh, I'm just going to do dry January. You know, this is cool. A nice little like system reset. I'm like, I can do a month. Yeah. 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 And um, I was meeting a friend in the desert like a month later. And so I was like, okay, well, by the time there, it, it would be Thanksgiving-ish time. Yeah, like yeah. I could have a glass of wine with dinner and I'd be like, okay, that was a great month off. And that time came and I was like, no, I still don't want it. It's like, okay, I if I don't want it, I'm not going to have any. And so then I was like, well, I guess I'll, I'll go for three months. That could be cool, you know? Yeah. Um, but then three months came. I was like, well, it'd be really cool to say I did it for six months. And somewhere in there, because the whole purpose of me stopping drinking was to change my relationship with alcohol, somewhere in there, there would be stressful days or there would be days where my emotions would get really high, um, heightened from something, an external stimuli. And instantly in my brain, I'd be like, oh, today would be a great day to have a glass of wine, but I'm not going to. And then, and then my brain would go, wait a second, 
that's still not a healthy relationship with alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if your response is, gosh, I wish I could have this, but I can't. It's like, no, it's like, no, I don't need it because this is why you're trying to change this. You're trying to not have that relationship with alcohol. And so it was clear to me within those months that that still was my relationship with it. So I think like, oh. I think that that's pretty that's pretty impressive though. I mean, you say like still within those months you were noticing that that was still your relationship. There are a lot of people who go their whole lifetime without being able to like see that and reevaluate that that way. So it I when I when I hear your story and I hear you talk about like starting it out as a sober month and then, you know, doing the future casting that everybody does who who quits drinking, who, you know, you do the like well, maybe in a month I can do this, or maybe someday I can do that. Like that's pretty common from everybody I've talked to. And to, mm-hmm. to go through all of that, and then you know, within the first month, you're like, okay, six months, like no big deal. Like, and then to realize within that six month period, you're like, okay, these thoughts, this isn't a healthy relationship either. There are a lot of things in there that take people a really long time to figure out. What do you think? Why do you think you were able to? reevaluate so quickly and see those things clearly in such a short amount of time? Mm. I think I did a lot of internal reflection during those months. Yeah. And a lot of that to tie back into the outdoors and physical activity. I mean, I, after I stopped drinking, I just hit, hit the ground literally running. Um, Pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, and hiking <laughs> and just seeking more outdoor spaces. I think also that time of shutdown was like, no, I want to be taking advantage of where I live and being able to like be where I love to be. And so it just was a, it was no longer a daily drink. It was a daily hike or run or bike ride. Like it was daily something. Yeah. And those times take me into very reflective spaces in my mind. And I have, Really big emotions, John. The, <laughs> like, the biggest emotions ever. <laughs> like ginormous <laughs> emotions, um, which were heightened and magnified. And yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so then imagine like being able to have some mental clarity around those emotions. And then I just ask why a lot. Yeah. In some brain. Like why this? Why that? Why are you feeling like I can feel when my anger or frustration is coming up and my body physically gets warm and my face gets red. It's like, okay, but where is that coming from? Why are you feeling this way? Can you identify it? And that has become so much easier for me. I would, I would owe it to sobriety. Um, Cause there's no way you can just push it off and just be like, well, I'm angry and I'm going to let it, I'm going to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, you actually have to like sit with that emotion. You can't escape it. You have to like yeah. sit with it and then be like, Where's that coming from? Why am I reacting that way? And so I found that like my emotions come down a lot faster. Um, and then that why is always coming up. And so, yeah, I was like starting to notice that trigger. Like, whoa, wait a second, pump the brakes. Yeah. You're still not, you're still not in the right relationship or mindset to like have that drink. Yeah, that's, it sounds like what you're explaining is like the perfect combination of like curiosity mindfulness and awareness and the ability to notice your body and what's happening in your body and combine all those things 
pretty quickly, pretty early on in sobriety to make it something that, you know, was going to be a successful, you know, sobriety uh, journey for yourself. I think that's that's just really impressive that that happened that quickly for you. And that's really cool uh, to hear because, yeah, I, I, I'm just like, I'm so, I'm, I, the more I talk to you, I'm continually drawn to, you know, how in tune you are with, with your, your fitness, your body, your knowledge of self, those sorts of things. Is that something that you've always, I mean, I know fitness and, and endurance, you know, athletics and outdoor, you know, running, everything like that. That's been a part of your life for a long time. And it's your, you know, your career, everything, you know, physical health, all of that. How big of a role do you think that plays or played in in this like sense of awareness that you have? I would say that, I mean, it plays a huge role because it's, it's my me time. Like, yeah, this is, and I don't often run or I never hike with music. Um, and I do not often run with it either. Just depends on if I need motivation and on a cold, cold day or a windy day. But um, so it is, it's just like me and my thoughts. And I have known this about myself at least late 20s is where I like started to figure it out. Oh, right. Okay. Big emotions, big things, lots of thoughts. And there's like this, there's this visual I have of like all of these random thoughts and words and feelings floating around and bouncing around like the game Pong, you know, where like the little ball was like going, but multiple balls going all over the place. But each of those is like a word or feeling. Yeah, kind of like uh, like the the NBA draft lottery, like the ping pong balls, like <laughs> bouncing yes. around everywhere. Okay. Yes, ping pong, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. bunch of ping pong balls, just okay. like bouncing around in my head. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, I would say through mindfulness. I mean, for me, running gets me into a mindfulness state. Like I, I am able to like find my stride, my pace, and then at that point, I can just start to like sift, identify, let go of some feelings and thoughts. Um, and even as the, as they like come up, you know those little balls start to just like get organized, and they yeah. get to like they get put in their place, right? Then can identify the why of where they came from, um, or they don't matter anymore because they were like floating around in there earlier in the day, and then you like think, oh yeah, what was I so upset about earlier? Oh, yeah. I guess it didn't really matter. That one, yeah, like shot out. That one shot out your ear, and it's yeah. not in there anymore. <laughs> not even as like. Pew. <laughs> Yeah, great. Yeah. I because I can't even think about what that was. Yeah. So then that probably means it didn't need the time of day that I was going to try to give it earlier in the day, right? Like those kinds of feelings and thoughts. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. So they are. I think. I think every day is just like a, a whole set of ping pong balls just like floating around, and um. But you know, you have to prioritize things like work and my students. So yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't give the energy to those thoughts and feelings and things. Unless my students need to know what the feelings are, and then and then sure. they get to hear the identification there. But for the most part, it's like, nope, they're gonna they're reserved for my think time. They yeah. are reserved for that space, and when that space happens, everything just kind of like falls into place, and it's like a great little reset button. And then when I get done, I don't crave a beer. I crave a seltzer water, or I want more tea, or I yeah. just. Chug, chug a noon, you know, like, yeah, yeah. But finding the ways that, like, my body feels good, my mind feels good, my emotions feel good, like, everything's kind of getting checked off the list as I get to do that. Do you find, do you find that 
you only get to that place while you're outside running or doing uh, like a strenuous outdoor activity? Or do you find that space other places in your day or through your life? I have noticed that a lot of my processing and like sifting through all of that it comes from physical activity. I do not do well with just sitting and meditating. <sighs> I know. Um, I wish that I could do that a little bit better. But there are, you know, there are times where my body is telling me, I don't need to run right now. But I do like to, I mean, movement is a way that my body expresses. And so sure. yeah. maybe that looks like climbing at the gym or yeah. outdoors. Um, it doesn't have to be super strenuous. It could j- just be a simple walk through the gardens or the park. Just any any kind of movement. Just moving yeah. a little bit helps. Um, and then sometimes, because my job is hectic, um, silence helps as well. It may not be yeah, I'm totally so. sitting still, but like maybe I'm in the car and there's no music on, there's nothing, and I'm just... Whew. But that's not really processing time. That's more like just... Like decompressing. Yes, decompressing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do think movement is an element that comes in a lot of the time. I think the movement concept makes me think of, so right after, for, for everyone listening, I've, I've known you for like about a year, a little over a year now, I think. Yeah. Right around a year. April. And, and right when we met the first time, you had just finished the most insane movement thing that I've personally known anybody to do, I think, from a physical endurance standpoint. Can you speak a little bit about how that process went of what you did and how it played with your kind of newfound sobriety journey? And also, I I need to hear about all the gummy bears, like the number of gummy (laughs) bears that were consumed throughout this process. Yeah. Because I remember that playing a vital role. Ooh, that was a key component to the entire uh, physical feet. So I, in my sobriety, like the start of it, I went on a great adventure into the desert of Utah and just like did some trail running and hiking and got into kind of like ultra distances. So longer distance hiking and running and set a very hasty goal to complete rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon at the end of March of 2021. Um, and the training was not going to be as long as, um, as other people would have liked it to be like my sister, the physical therapist who told me I would probably hurt myself, (laughs) but I did do it. Uh, I trained and in through sobriety, right? Like whatever that transfer addiction was, um, into endurance hiking and running. That's, that's where it all played in. So that was my first six months of Sobriety was training for the Grand Canyon. I didn't train for six months. I set the goal and did it in like three months. But uh, continued the sober train because I was like, why do I need alcohol anyway? This is like so much fun. And then, uh, yeah, completed it. It was great. I did it all by myself, self-supported. Carried a pound of gummy bears in my pack. Just to go (laughs) back to the why why do you have so many gummy bears? Um, Also, I will fight this. The Albanese bulk gummy bear from Sprouts. The hashtag, <laughs> hashtag sponsored post. 
Oh my gosh, um, could they sponsor me? Because I still absolutely we'll work love on. I think we should work on that. Yeah, yeah. we should. We should try to reach out. <laughs> Big shout out. Yeah, I won't even mention the other guys because they pale in comparison. And if anybody has something to say, you can write it in the comments, and I will prove it to you. you I think just we go. should ask for that. I think we should have the debate. I love that. On this post, whenever we post about this, I what agree. gummy bears? Yeah. What's your I'm gummy bear that. choice? Yeah, because that. John was there when the conversation around the campfire got really heated about gummy bears. And I had just done 50 miles and like 11,000 feet of elevation in the Grand Canyon. And I solely survived on gummy bears. I had some PB&Js, but like those gummy bears were everything. So I, I entered the conversation from like kind of a naive place, I feel like, because I'm not brand loyal when it comes to my gummy bears. And so I was just like, I don't know, like, whatever. I like gummy bears, sure. And then I don't think that was well-received, necessarily. <laughs> it, it did become like a pick-a-side kind of moment. I think yeah. people... people <laughs> what, what do you think... All right, so what do you think is behind the the whole relationship between... Like, I know that I, when we were out there and we met, we talked about how how into, like, sugar, like treats, oh those sorts of things you got after you got sober. I had the exact same experience, you know, anything sweet. And I'm curious what you think that's about because like my my experience was that I was never into sweet things while I was drinking. I was always like a salty snack, kind of like anything like that. Uh, I would choose that hands down while I was mm -hmm. drinking. And then once I quit, I became like, there wasn't, there, there, there were not enough sweets in the world uh, especially right at the beginning. Oh my gosh. I wasn't prepared for it, to be perfectly honest. And then obviously I know the science of the body and I was like, well, yeah, and the brain specifically. But yeah, like if you're giving it a sugar dose every day and alcohol sugar versus like processed cane sugar, same, same to the brain. So, I mean, one has like way more negative effects than sure, the other sure. and the rest yeah, yeah, of the yeah. body. But to the brain, it perceives it as sugar. It's just, this is sugar. And so it was just like a constant sugar trap. And then you yeah. cut it off, cold turkey. And then your body, I mean, I physically craved sugar, like processed icky, just like yeah. buttercups and obviously pounds of gummy bears. Like I, I think for a while I switched over to like dried fruit, trying to like limit the amount of like actual yeah. sugar that I was putting into yeah. my body. yeah. But I mean, I was active enough and it doesn't matter. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't prepared for that. I had no idea that that was something that was going to come up. And so it was, it was like my body ached for sugar. Yeah. Um, and so I gave it, I gave it sugar. Like, yeah. it, you know what? You're, you're doing great. Like you're coming off of this substance that you've had regularly every day in whatever amount you, you get this. You're doing great. So, <laughs> yeah. yes, uh, plenty of gummy bears, plenty of Reese's peanut butter cups, and then eventually dried fruit. And even some of my sober friends um, would say the same. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's that's weird. It should end around like four or five months. And it did not, John. Yeah, yeah. It did not. So I kept needing sugar uh, <laughs> more and more and more. And even now, I'm going like every other month like with processed sugar and not um, because it's just, yeah, my body wants it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, 
but everybody I talk to that's sober has had the same experience. Yeah, I think that it's just one of those like interesting, like some of them are funny, some of them are serious, but one of those things that it's like, oh, I'm not unique (laughs) at all here. Like this is just a normal body function kind of thing that everybody goes through when they stop drinking. I think hearing those stories is just one of the things that makes me feel like, I don't know, it helps make me feel uh, feel smaller kind of and feel like like it's like it's not all about me and my issue that I had. It's just like this is how things function and it's not like a fault. It's not like a, any of that sort of stuff. Like the blame things that you tell yourself, it's more about like this is how your body functions, what it becomes used to, mm-hmm. and then this is this is why it's a common experience for everyone across the board, you know? Right. Right. And then just kind of giving yourself a little grace in that too. It's like this, it, you can't make it all just like, you can't be this like absolutely incredible beacon of health and wellness. <laughs> it's like, just because you stop drinking, it, you need to be able to give yourself a little grace and like your body had that consistent tap for some people years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. So, you know what? If you want to eat that, those peanut butter M and M's, side note, those are fantastic. This is all oh. another sponsored. I know. Sponsored, um, yeah. <laughs> sponsored by. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I I feel that. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. What other things were you noticing as you started to get through that? I mean, that's a huge physical endeavor to to undertake early in sobriety. And then you're you're feeling like all the sugar stuff, all the all the like changes in your body and and everything through that that time. What else were you kind of feeling and noticing? I did notice my body like physically feeling lighter. Yeah. Like to flip back to the everyday drinking, how heavy my body felt. Just like mm. just physically hard to do things like like a depressed state like your body I mean it's alcohol is a depressant so you're just constantly giving your body depressants yeah. um, so when you take that out obviously the opposite effect would eventually occur and so just like my body feeling lighter like I think I began to notice things more my head got clearer and clearer but then yeah. there's this one day I'll never forget like this one morning I woke up and like it sounds so cheesy to say it, but I'll say it anyway. Like my, like a whole fog was completely lifted off of my brain. Like everything was brighter and happier. I could see things more clearly. I could feel things more clearly. So like going back to that, like internal yeah. dialogue, like I could identify feelings so much faster and I knew where my emotions were coming from so quickly. And it like, I literally felt high on life. I think for the first time since being a drinker, like, yeah, what? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? First off, I, I have a couple of questions. So, okay. how how far into not drinking did that was that day? If you had to guess, was it like pretty quick? No, I don't know. I that's why I thought I was. I thought I had already like experienced all the sober things. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm addicted to sugar. Fine, okay, like. My body feels better. I can, I, you know, I can talk through things better. This is great. But yeah, that how had to have been like, I think it was before the Grand Canyon. So maybe like four months. Yeah. 
like four months in, maybe five. Yeah, which that's... I just I was not prepared for it. Like, yeah. right? Because by then you're like, my it's all out of my system. But like before, when I would do a month of sober of soberness, right? I don't care. Sure, yeah, yeah. But like a month off of alcohol, like you you couldn't possibly get to that point. There's yeah. no way. And I'm sure it's different in everybody's brains. But for me, it just hit four or five months in. And it was like, absolutely unreal. Like, what yeah. on in my brain? It's one of those crazy, another one of those crazy experiences that like everybody seems to have a similar like, you know, high on life kind of like, I know in AA, like when I was doing AA, people referred to it as the pink cloud, I think mm. in AA. And so it's like one of those things that everybody gets to that point where you just, you wake up and you're like, this is insane how good this feels. Like, it, it, like I, it, like it's like a whole new, it sets a new bar, like a new, a new standard for, for what life should feel like, right? Yes. Yes. And I think about, you know, I, I had been drinking for like more than a decade for sure. Yeah. By then. Like, and so even in my like young years, not drinking, I wouldn't have known what that feels like. Cause I wasn't my, you know, my brain wasn't developed enough to even have known. But like all of my post like brain development years have yeah, been spent yeah. in some sort of cloudy, foggy mess. Yeah. So, yeah. I think being like crazy hyper aware at that point, I, I just feels different. It felt unlike any other time that I've like woken up. I was yeah. like, wow, I, I woke up in a lot of ways that morning. Yeah, I relate to that big time because I, you know, started drinking like teens, like end of my teens, you know, but it's that you're not, you're not developed fully mentally in it at all at that point. So whenever I got sober, you know, right before 30, it's like I, and what a lot of people say is whenever you do get sober, you almost kind of start at and revert back to the mindset and like, the the youthful like experiencing everything for the first time kind of approach was that kind of how you felt would you say yeah 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 it's like yeah it was just a different it was me but in a different form and yeah i think i was just this like exuberant human with lots of smiles on her face and just like <laughs> kind of silly and uh Maybe sounded like some like like hippie dude in the forest sometimes. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with so that. So happy, I know. Just like yeah. wow, those birds. They just even this morning, I like woke up and I was like, oh, those birds are just like noticing, just noticing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think my first experience of seeing you like this was by far the learning about rocks. Uh, situ- the you, rock had a whole, you had like 20 people that you were trying to teach about rocks at, at a campsite. I know. And it was well, awesome. What we all found out in, in that, because I wanted to see the rock layer overlap between the Grand Canyon and Moab. Right. And they're barely overlapped. Like the Grand Canyon obviously is just like super deep. And of course it's a different part of the desert, but it's those layers are even older than the ones we were <laughs> All right, all right. I have to stop the rock, the rock exploration at this point because right. I'm afraid that we'll we'll be here for a while if I don't cut it off. No, that's fine. But yes, I was enamored <laughs> by any and everything in nature. 
Yes. That, like, no, I everything think everything was brighter. Everything was. I think that's endearing. I, I'm, I'm not making fun. Right, right. I, I really think I really think that that's such an awesome quality to have. I'm I'm not I'm not giving you trouble. I I just am using it as an example of like it's very clear in talking to you and being around you how excited you are about life, and that's so cool because I can only imagine that it wouldn't have been that way had I, had I met you you know prior to to sobriety. I I can only imagine that the clarity and the awareness and the excitement and all those things are just getting bigger and better, you know, the longer it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then also like not, I mean, there's just like no, I don't have any regard for like social pressures or anything anymore. Like, and not even just around alcohol, but just to like be, I hate the word normal, but be like a typical human. Nah, just it's boring. Yeah. 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 If you see something and you're jazzed about it, just be jazzed about that. Like life is too short to try to like shove things away. So yeah, new sense of awareness of like who I am and just embracing that and loving that. Yeah, heck yeah. How about uh how about relationships and your friendships and some of those other things that shift when you quit drinking? What what were those experiences like for you? I think friendship wise, most of my friends like didn't even bat an eye. It's like, yeah. you know, I'm not drinking. Okay. Like no social pressures there. Like don't really have to worry about that. Cool. Some friends, and this took some time for me to like reflect on, but some friends, the reaction was like, oh, come on. You don't just like want one. How about you just like have a little bit of this or do you want this? Like, let's get you a drink. I know you'll have a good time. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not drinking. Um, Fine. You know, kind of reflecting on that later, a lot of times people's reaction to you not drinking has a lot to say about their relationship with alcohol too. Sure. So then internalizing that and being like, you know what? I'm not going to be upset with this person because they're like trying to make me drink when you understand that it has nothing to do with you. Right. And it has everything to just do with themselves and their relationship with alcohol. Then it does become so much easier to not drink around people that are drinking and to just let them be with that and and not giving them that like reaction or anything either. Just stick into it. Just say, no, I'm not drinking. Relationship-wise, like people I've dated, um, I've found it a little bit harder to date someone who drinks only because even after a drink, someone's like emotional presence is just not as, as clear. It's not as focused. And so even after one or maybe they have two, there's a point where like that person is further gone emotionally, mentally than you are. Yeah. And so things start to be funny to them where you're like, that's, that's funny. not that funny. Funny. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know you think it's funny that I, I just don't find the humor in it. Right. And it's like, also again, being okay with like saying, yeah, that's, that's not that funny or being okay with separating and being like, I don't need to be here anymore. Like I'm going to go home or I'm going to go do my own thing. So I have found in sobriety that being with someone who also doesn't drink or like doesn't need 
drinking has like really been, I think, a deeper connection. Like yeah. the person, the partner that I'm with now, she doesn't drink, and it's yeah. it's amazing. There's like never, there's never an assumption of like, oh, what are you going to drink? It's like, do you do you want water? Not even, yeah, like, not even part of the yeah, not even not part, even of, the part plan. of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And then again, like the emotional awareness that comes with being sober, the presence that comes with being sober, those are really important to me. I think it provides a, a couple with um, just being better connected or like, you know, on the same level. For know, sure. But, which that can't be true for everybody everywhere I know. But I, I do see the value in having a partner that does not drink. Yeah. So every yeah, night that makes have- a lot of sense. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That make that makes a ton of sense. I think, you know, for everybody or for most people who quit drinking, that's one of the like biggest concerns early on. And it's one of the things that, that takes up a lot of their headspace is running down those scenarios of like, well, what about this? What if that, you know, maybe it'll make it harder to find, you know, friends or or a significant other or whatever. And I think it's just another example like of how things get better in general, typically, and you're able to handle things better and you're thinking more clearly and you have that distance and that ability to see things for what they really are. That allows you to enter into friendships that you really, really want to be in or keep friendships that you really, really want to keep and relationships are the same way. So I think the way you describe it makes a lot of sense. And I'm happy to hear that that's been your experience with it because I know that that's a big a big stumbling block for a lot of people, especially early on. Yeah, I I did have one person that I dated that continued to like kind of push the button a little bit. Like, well, you'll have a drink, right? Like, no, I don't need to. I don't want to. Yeah. And so like finding those respects. But yeah, I mean, even to the friendship part, like you'll find pretty quickly um, who in your life you're connecting with on a deeper level without alcohol. Yeah. Um, that that becomes very clear. So my friendships have kind of pared down and they're really deep and authentic connections. And like, and some of my friends still drink, but there's no pressure or any like, any weird energy around me. Sure. Not drinking. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, the emotional presence is across all relationships partnered ones and friendship ones. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I think so my, so my next question is from the outside as like if I were somebody who didn't know you and I just heard your story briefly or quickly, I would think like, "Oh wow, even if I met you before you quit drinking, I I would probably not look at you as and and be like, "Oh, that's somebody who struggles with drinking." A, would you agree with my assessment of that? And B, what do you think it is that allowed you to see that? And why is that important? Like, I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of people have this, this stereotype of, you know, the Hollywood, like, like serious uh, downward spiral kind of thing. And from knowing you and hearing your story and imagining, you know, what you would have been like before, I can only imagine that thing, things looked like they were probably fine from the outside. And, it didn't seem like one of those real downward spiral situations yet you're able to step back, reevaluate and change your relationship with alcohol without needing to go through all of that. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think on the outside, you wouldn't, 
probably have seen me as a a person that was struggling with it. But internally, oof, it was it was fiery yeah. in there. Yeah. I think cluing into just how my body was feeling. And I think a breakup was also a, a good way to like really put the halt on everything. Yeah. But I guess I endured two breakups during that time. One with alcohol and one with a person. Yeah. But I... Yeah, I don't know if any... <laughs> Yeah, internally I knew. I knew that there were flags and I knew that my body was like, I don't even want this anymore. But my brain was like, but you do because you do this every day. Right. There were some, I mean, there were some times I would show up at like a social gathering and I would look around and be like, that's not enough wine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Have you ever had that? Did you ever have oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Like, I, I don't know. Is that like considered, I can't remember if it's like very scarcity or like you think... There's just not going to be enough. It's it's the it's your addiction and your body knowing something at its core that you're not processing. I think uh, mentally, like in, in your cognition, where like you're you're seeing this and you know that's not enough for me to keep myself okay. Like that's not enough for me to be okay. Kind of right. thing. Yeah. And like it's not like you're doing that math out out in front of yourself. It's like it's happening somewhere in you, right? Yeah. 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 I like had a physical reaction sometimes to like the wine table. And yeah. Like, that's, that's not enough red wine for tonight. Mine like, was always, it. mine was always like trips. Like if we were going fishing or, or doing whatever, I'd be like, Oh, that's not enough. Whatever that is. That's not enough. Like it's not I, enough. Yeah, yeah. There, there was never going to be enough. <laughs> it was never going to, well, yeah, that's it too. Yeah. Like would there ever be an enough? No, but looking just at a table or at a cooler being like, that's not enough. We'll just get some more on the way or whatever. Yeah, or like, I, I remember showing up at a party. I remember this. And it was like, right as things were starting to open up. Again. Um, and looking at the table and like, oh, I brought a couple bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Like knowing. That's a good so indicator. Well there yeah. was just like, and so I was like, what is wrong with me? Just like, why would that not be enough? And yeah, like watching know. people just pour like an actual glass of wine instead of whatever my glass of wine was going to look like. Right. Yeah, that was, I mean, there were flags. There were definitely flags. Just like internalizing those and being like, ooh, that, that was an icky feeling. What was that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, my, my immediate thought goes to, for me, uh, going on a fishing trip to the frying pan out in Colorado in your neck of the woods. And it was like a, me and my, my dad, my brother, my cousin, my uncle. So like five of us, you know, and we went to like the King Supers or whatever grocery stores you have out there. Oh. And, and we like filled up a whole grocery cart full of alcohol, like an entire full size grocery cart overflowing with like beer, different kinds of alcohol for like a six day trip. Yeah. And I remember feeling in the store like this is not enough. This is not going to be enough for us. And yep. I don't think it was. I think we had to go on another run. Yep. And that's just kind of the mindset that you're in <laughs> when you're in that place is like, it's self-fulfilling because you know yourself. You're like, I, I know that that's not going to be enough mm -hmm. for, for what I need. Yep. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense hearing that, you know, from your, your story, you know, these things, you see these red flags, but from the outside, it doesn't necessarily look that bad yet. You're able to turn it around and make this decision to like, hey, I'm just going to do this for a month. I'm just going to stop for a month and see what that's about and then mm -hmm. grow that and and lengthen that into the time that you have now 
and yeah. the place that you're in now. I'm kind of curious, like where you are now and what your life looks like now. You spoke a little bit about your daily habits, some of your daily habits outdoors earlier. What are your other or what other daily habits do you have or kind of practices do you have that help you in this sobriety journey? I mean, yeah, being outdoors and connecting with it. But I'm just doing I'm doing more, just more outside and testing my limits and finding, I don't know, finding ways to better myself in all aspects, I think. Like we can always grow and improve. So I think taking, since there is no focus on alcohol or where my next drink is coming from, I get to pick a focus every day. Like today I'm focusing on doing this really hard hike and like making it steep and being present for every moment of it. Today I'm going to focus on like tackling this frustration that keeps coming up. So like having a daily kind of focus yeah. helps. It's like something, just something to work on, I guess. It's not like, it doesn't have to be something big or like today's daily focus. I mean, I need to do this, but like switch my wiper blades off my car. Yeah, that's a like good Like set one. a little goal. I think yeah, essentially yeah. it's like set a little goal for the day. Of like yeah. here's something that I'm going to accomplish today. And having that because it's, it's not that I need a distraction anymore. I don't. But I do really like feeling successful doing something. Yeah. Even if it's putting wipers on my car, which I will do today. Yeah. I like that. In our in the last episode, I was talking to Drew uh, Peterson and his he was talking about his habits. He was like starting with uh, making his bed in the morning. It's like, yes. like start with a win. And it's like how how much <laughs> momentum plays a role in, mm-hmm. in your day and in, in what you can do. Yeah. No, daily, I also agree with that. Like, get up out of bed, make it. Because if, on the days I do not make it, I feel like my day is frazzled. It's like I've already started it off with like a frazzling moment. Like, no, make the bed. Yeah. Close, close off the floor. Like everything kind of organized so that I know when I arrive home, like things are good to go. But yeah, start with a win. Just like there's that. Have a cup of coffee, set an intention set that goal. And then I visualize my day as well. I like to like see how, especially on busy days, like how am I going to get all of this done? (laughs) I like that idea for, for a day. I've never, I've never thought of that or heard of that. I've heard a lot of research and a lot of people, coaches and people talk about visualizing something athletically or, you know, like, uh, imagine the ball going through the hoop or whatever it is and how much that works. But I've never heard anybody talk about visualizing a, a day, uh, like a yeah. successful day. I like that a lot. That's really cool. It has really, and it's not, I don't know if I do it every day. I would say I do it probably 75% of the time. Yeah, And it mostly comes up on days where I start to feel like an overwhelming feeling. I'm like, oh my gosh, today is back to back meetings or classes and then meetings and then how am I going to fit training into my schedule? You know, oh, I have a flat tire. You know, I need to like get this fixed and whatever. Like if I start to feel overwhelmed of how many things I have to do in a day and then I just start to visualize, okay, well, I'm going to finish this cup of coffee. I'm going to make breakfast. I'm going to head out. From the moment that I head out, here's what my day is going to look like. And it usually goes that way. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, kids can throw a wrench into it somewhere. <laughs> there. I overlook that. It's like yeah. not every class is going to be perfect, but 
yeah, throughout the day, then I'm like, it, it's not like it's a to-do list or a checklist, but I visualized it and it's going to happen. And then knowing that it'll all get done. The important things. Yeah. The important things will get done. And if yeah. they don't, like when they don't need to be done today, it's okay. It's the same, it's the same exact thought as your ping pong balls yeah. in your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I guess yeah. a cup of coffee to go back to that first yeah, question yeah, yeah. of like. How do you like? Do you only recreate and like move in order to do things? No, that's not true. I put a cup of coffee and I'll yeah. like take those ping pong balls and try to like get them think about how they're gonna go into their like organizational. Yeah, I like pattern. that. Yeah, nice. and then throughout the day, sure they get like stirred up and start ping ponging around, but <laughs> it get everything happens. Yeah. yeah, 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 and just being okay with that. Yeah. So that's perfect. I, that's that's awesome for like the day to day. How about big plans, big intentions, visualizing anything big for like this year, or the near future? Like, what's what's your year look like? This year, right? Because I've got all those little daily goals, but my <laughs> uh, my big goals. I always have something crazy put up. Rim to rim uh, to rim to rim to rim to rim. <laughs> Those are things. John, don't forget me. Don't tempt me. Those are things. Uh, I already want to do it again. I got done and my body hurt so bad and I didn't even sleep that night. And I was like, I cannot wait. I can't believe it's over. Like, let's Mm -hmm. do it again. Um, Not this year. This year, I am doing my first ultra running race. Whoa. (laughs) 62 miles. Cool, cool, cool. Um, So working up to that. Right now, I'm in my training cycle. Started a month ago. So kind of working working on it um traveling finally yeah and was just in spain for spring break which was really cool and um going back to europe for the month of june and oh, nice. i would like to take i mean as a, a teacher i am lucky to have time yeah uh, so taking that time and really seeing the mountains of europe will be very cool because i also have to train while i'm there but i, I get to train in the Alps or the Dolomites. Oh, or that sounds so awesome. Pyrenees. But even the other day, wow. I just found another area in Wales that looks huh. incredible. And I'm like, I have time. I should go over there. Like, how often do we have a month to go and just be? Mm, almost never. Yeah. Right. And I have the Rockies in my backyard. I know. I love it. I feel like the Alps, that's so high on my list. Like, I, I don't know. If you go there first, I don't envision you going anywhere else. I think you'll you'll live there I'll just at be that like, point. yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> Stay here. Maybe I, I don't need the race. I'm just, just going to live in the Alps now. It's fine. You're going to be you're gonna be on the tour. You're going to be cycling and doing all sorts <laughs> of stuff over there. I can tell. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a great way to see just different parts of, of the continent. Yeah, that's so. really cool. Yeah. Man, that's a so big that's, that's a big yearly goal. The It is. Yeah. It is. And I do try to take a, a trip every year. Obviously, I have not had that opportunity. So this year I'm going twice. It's great. Nice. Uh maybe thrice. We'll see. Yeah. But uh yeah. And then after the ultra, I have the the goal of completing all of the 14ers in Colorado. And I'm halfway there. Whoa. So I'd like to just Get some of those like further off ones that are kind of tough to get to. Um, so it's not necessarily about the number this summer. It's more about the experience of like getting to the trailhead or sleeping in your car and then starting at 3 a.m. or whatever those will will take. Yeah. Um, there's one that you get to like hitch a ride on a train to get back. 
Street. So. Oh, I've I've been out. I think is this at uh, what's the basin? Chicago Basin area. Yep. Yeah, that's man. I've I've never felt slower and more out of shape in my life than we went backpacking there a couple of years ago. There's and no it was oxygen like a, there, John. I know. Well, coming out. from the Midwest, we like family backpacking trip out there. And it's it's straight uphill. Like you get off the train and it's like just to get up to the basin is like aggressive for somebody who's not, you know, used to being in at at elevation. And these people were like your people. They were like jumping off the train and like running up and like running up like 10 of these peaks and coming back down before we even made it up to the basin. And I felt like I was like walking in mud the entire time. It was it was terrible, but it's, I know exactly where you're talking about. It's beautiful back there. Yeah. I can't wait. So that I think, yeah, it's so far off, right? It's like really hard to get to. Yeah, to get like up in there. Yeah, um, you gotta, you gotta on the train ride. It's so it's like soot, like it's like the it like kicks out little like black, you know, like yeah. like whatever. So like, make sure you bring like a hoodie and some goggles or something because I, I was struggling breathing. We were on like one of the outside cars you know oh all right so it was like it messed with like my breathing my contacts everything it got all over everything so heads up on that for sure old school train ride it's cool though it's beautiful yeah i can't wait yeah yeah so there you go there's there's most of my year so just going to see cool places and enjoying the outdoors and being present heck yeah so for the last the last question i have for you what if if you were to see somebody in the position that you were in, you know, a few years ago, or even maybe like at the start of the pandemic, where you can tell something's getting worse, you can tell that, you know, your habits aren't what you want them to be, and you can tell that you're struggling with alcohol. If you could go to somebody who was in the position you were in and give them a piece of advice, what would you say to somebody who's in that position? Ooh, um, I would say. Well, first I'd say like what you're feeling is important. What you do with it is important and give yourself grace along the way. I like that. Yeah. That's good. Because because importance can mean a lot of things, right? Mm. So if someone is feeling that way, there's there's something important lingering there. Get curious about it um, and then do something about it. Yeah. But the grace piece, like I'm a pretty stubborn person, I'll be honest. So when I, and I'm motivated. So when I feel like I want to set my mind on something, I will do it and like stick to it. But not everybody is like me. Not everybody's really headstrong. So the grace piece is important too, because then that can like continue to perpetuate the negative self-talk. So maybe even accepting like, I might mess up. I might have a drink if I try not to drink and giving yourself the grace of like, okay. And then remembering the feeling is important. What you do with it is important. And then you give yourself grace again. It's okay. I think that that's perfect. And I think it's beautiful and it makes so much sense. And it's often overlooked that like when people are really in that place where they're struggling Oftentimes, when you look at it from the outside, everybody thinks just change, just be better, just, you know, it's about decision making and all those things. But to look at it, you know, through like having grace and empathy and sympathy and and being okay with it not being a perfect road is the only way that it can get better. You have to be 
willing to have it not go perfectly. Otherwise, it it won't get better. And I think your story and the way that you were able to turn things around and become healthier in in such a quick way, I think that's kind of like the perfect you know illustration of that. So I really really appreciate you know you being here and sharing your story with us and taking the time to to let us hear about you. I think everybody will really love this. And I think that you'll probably have a few gummy bear sponsorships come from from today. Uh, how about if if people want to follow your story and keep up with you? A, I, I highly recommend that you follow Karen. <laughs> it's some of the most I don't even know how to describe the positivity that comes oh. out of this. It's just like the dancing and the mountains and the the rock knowledge and the <laughs> just all of it is is fantastic. So if somebody wants to follow you and keep up with your story, where can they where can they follow you? They uh <laughs> they can see some silly dance videos and me running on mountains and rocks um, on Instagram is where, where I'm at. Karen Perfect. Fun Things. Yeah. And it's just my name. So Karen.j.schrader. But it's a, lot well, uh, of, it's a lot of fun. Look every Friday for a Rainbow Friday dance video. That's, that's the highlight of my week. That's what people really tune in for. Yeah, That's yeah. The, I mean, the mountains yeah. are like a nice added whatever, but no, it's definitely Friday. I mean, yeah. you're you're sober. You're doing these crazy athletic feats, and then you get on the news for dancing, <laughs> dancing. <laughs> bringing inclusivity and acceptance into yeah, the yeah, classroom. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, it is, it's it is very cool. It's phenomenal. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, Pos- positivity. I am honored that you think. Um, my feed is super positive because it is very positive and I like to think my life is pretty happy. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you look for it. A lot of people are like, where's your Rainbow Friday? It's like, oh, That's when you know you're doing something right. When people are asking where it is. I just want to know. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, John. It's been great to chat with you for so long because, you know, we get these like flyby conversations here and there, but it's been good to, to talk it up. Likewise. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Karen for being on the show. Some of the biggest takeaways from my conversation with Karen were really her focus on her health and how that helped in her ability to get sober. I think Paying more attention to how your body feels is something that most of us could probably practice more often. It's just really cool to see how that was so helpful in her journey, her ability to be in tune with her physical health and really pay attention to that. Uh, That's just such a good skill to have in life. And I think that that, you know, really comes out through her conversation. And then the other thing, you know, the most obvious thing that stands out is just her passion for sharing the outdoors with her students the work that teachers do in general, I think is hard enough as it is to just do a good job at, in that profession. So to see somebody who has the energy and the effort and goes above and beyond to share the outdoors and really show up for her students every day is just such a special thing to see. So I just want to say thanks again to Karen and thank you for listening to today's episode. 
If you enjoyed today's show or if you enjoy the show, the best way to help our mission is to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or anywhere you can find the podcast. Also, you can follow along on Instagram at Nature Untold Podcasts. So thanks again. Until next time. Thanks.